the dream is still alive for urban air mobility. We will need to succeed in aligning everybody on one single standard. Those of us in Our aviation industry is strong. Some of the fastest growing segments within USM are the expensive marketplace where you invest for the future. We're looking at domestic markets recovering faster, shorter routes that are in higher Welcome back to the Velocity Podcast. This is part two of the next chapter of aerospace. You're joined again by myself, Dennis Santer, and by my colleagues, Ken Asso, Jerome Bouchard, and David Stewart. In the previous episode, we discussed what decisions need to be made in order to build a resilient and strong industry. Today, we will be continuing the discussion around optimizing your operating model for the next chapter, including our design elements around things like supply chain agility, IP control, positioning, and footprint. Ken, over to you. What do you think the next chapter looks like for aerospace in terms of diversification and product? Yeah, we're seeing a lot more efforts around diversification, not only within aerospace, but also across sectors outside of aerospace. Where we've come from probably is important context. Previously, the high volume in the commercial market enabled specialization and investment in products. And we saw really a more focused appetite in those products across the portfolio. And so really focus and specialization were the critical factors. But now, anytime you cut demand and production volume by 30, 40%, and even more than that, those who invested heavily in aero-specific and platform-specific specialization are really the most vulnerable. I'm reminded of some of these supplier distress surveys that we conducted over the latter part of last year. And it was frankly those that underinvested capital relative to the opportunity that are better positioned in this pandemic and potentially even coming out of this pandemic. The ones that invested the most are really struggling to get leaner. And so as we think through aero-specific castings and forgings, aero engine and propulsion, those who invested in aero structures and particularly those that were invested in supporting the Boeing production system. Those are really challenges in the industry. And so now, as we think coming out of the pandemic, the focus is on agility, the focus is on flexibility, the ability to streamline those that are able to pivot their product across a number of different industries, and then also scale when demand signals do return. These are really the critical success factors as we think about diversification across the product and across industries. How do technologies provide some competitive advantage? That's where those that have invested and are investing in digital, digital processes that provide transparency in terms of where the cost is, that provides visibility in terms of cost takeout programs, digital in terms of tracking where from a process, where cost, where headcount is, you can drive your cost takeout programs as well as driving transparency and visibility in terms of planning, being faster to be able to identify the leading indicators of where volume is picking up and therefore where you can plan on an agile basis. Some of the other questions being asked are, where are the product specialization advantages and where you can support the business? Some of the examples of that coming before the pandemic was some planned mergers of major specialized firms. I'm thinking about like Hexcel, and Woodward, Hexcel, of course, a leader in composite-based manufacturing and raw materials, and then Woodward, a leader in aerospace actuation capabilities. 
That was a planned merger of two very highly specialized firms. It would have created stability. Unfortunately, the idea was ahead of its time where it wasn't implemented ahead of the pandemic. They had to scrap the merger. But as we think about 2021, 2022, we may see similar moves like that where equally specialized firms try to work together to form a harbor over the next few years. Hey, David, we talk about the topic of diversification. Are there other specific industry examples or topics that you can offer? Thank you, Ken. Yeah, people need to look to diversify their markets and see what sort of opportunities come out of the COVID crisis. For example, going looking at moving into the airport world, there's a lot of focus on how do we get passengers back flying? And a lot of that's actually now going to be helping out the aviation industry by supporting that whole aspect. Looking at the airport sector, screening, biomedical passports, the technologies that are software intensive, research intensive, and even can play on and into the overall travel pattern for passengers throughout the travel experience. So they've been looking at it in that dimension in terms of, frankly, what are the growth opportunities coming out of this particular crisis? There's also strength in certain areas of the business aviation world, especially at the upper end of business aviation. We continue to see flying going on there. And certain companies are looking at that sector because a lot of the OEMs have got engineers to deploy and keeping them busy. And in the business aviation sector, you have far more new platforms coming along. One of the problems with the sort of commercial aviation world is there's at this particular point, there's no new platforms. So how do you use your engineers? And with business aviation, you get more frequency of new product launches, development aircraft. And so having a look at those sectors to develop your products for that, whether it's cabin products, pumps, actuation, hydraulics, there's more opportunity for new platforms in those other sectors where there's more frequency within the product development. I think the COVID crisis is also offering aerospace activity different options. We know that some programs, for instance, will definitely be winners in the next decade, and I'm thinking about narrow body in general here. So there will be also a way to diversify along the program choice. Of course, not on line fit because, I mean, the dice are already on the table, but more on the aftermarket, making some diversification choices based on what will be the winning programs. And that could also include defense, by the way. There are also ways to diversify from a costing perspective. I think the footprint of our aerospace industry will be clearly impacted and redefined. And I think some of the major companies, but also smaller suppliers, will make some decisions in terms of moving to best cost or nearshore countries where they will have the opportunity to restart their activity at, of course, a lower cost than their usual high cost initial footprint. And finally, I think that there is also commercial diversification angle, which is to say we used to sell aircraft or parts of aircraft whether it is for line fit or for aftermarket, mainly based on a cost plus approach. So that's, of course, a, a very high level view, but we can think that some of the players may want to diversify their business model and come to more value-based selling than what they used to be doing before. And especially 
if their products are contributing directly or indirectly to airline savings, that would be, I think, a very good way to investigate in terms of commercial diversification and how you sell your products, not only for the value they bring to the aircraft in the end, but for the value they actually bring to the end customers and get some mechanism of sharing this value between the supplier and the final client. So that's maybe a very disruptive way of thinking and very far from what we know now. But in terms of diversification, I am really convinced that the COVID crisis will be a good way to reset completely old ways of working and turn strongly towards new ways and new business models. That makes a lot of sense. Thanks for that. As we think about aerospace, of course, it is one of the classically highly capital intensive industries. As you think about asset intensity, what are you seeing from the industry and the implications of that? First, to understand what do we actually mean by asset intensity, and it's really whether you're the airline customer or, frankly, the OEMs these days, it's a willingness to have fixed costs or to spend capex. We were on a long-term growth streak, probably the longest in aviation history, probably a super cycle of 12 years of positive growth, which basically set a mentality amongst all the players in the supply chain to say, hey, this is a growth marketplace. We need to invest for the future. There was a lot of investment in fixed costs. And from the airline and the airframe OEMs perspective, the Airbus and Boeing and others could pump out as many airplanes as they'd like. And with the low finance costs, the airlines would just take them. So there was plenty of demand for the metal, plenty of incentive to spend money on fixed assets. And suddenly the carpet has been pulled out from underneath absolutely everybody. And you've got this large hangover of that. We've moved into an environment where everybody's effectively trying to be asset light. And the airlines, many of them just do not want to buy new metal. They're looking to lose their fixed costs. They're looking not to spend money on airplanes. And therefore, from a product portfolio or service portfolio perspective for the sellers in the aerospace sector, is how do you actually enable airlines to buy their planes? How do you support them getting rid of some of their fixed costs? And so we see that airlines might evolve and want asset-like solutions. For example, it's not just about leasing a plane, but how about the wet lease model where basically the aircraft, the crew, the maintenance, the insurance is all paid for. I could imagine, for example, power by the hour. All the airline wants to do is call businesses to get passengers onto the planes. How about here's your plane, it's power by the hour, and you effectively variableize the cost of operating that plane. The airlines will want to get rid of their fixed cost and in infrastructure. They will want to variableize their maintenance costs and get rid of that overhead. So the OEMs need to be focusing on solutions where the airlines can tie their expenses to the demand. They pay for things when they're actually carrying the aircraft, carrying the passengers and earning revenue. They will want to outsource things. And so what can the aerospace community take on more cost effectively for the airlines and add that value in terms of those asset-like solutions? In many ways, the other aspect of this, with the lack of capital ability to spend money on that, that has produced opportunities for others. And we're seeing 
quite a lot of additional people with capital looking to spend money in the sector, for example, PE investors, and they potentially play a role to help some of this situation. For sure, seeing that here in the U.S., David, lots of private equity investment activity, a lot of interest in aerospace and defense manufacturers, service providers, et cetera, really the entire ecosystem. I would say on the manufacturer and service provider front, seeing a lot of interest in buy low, sell high, right? Taking an opportunistic approach to what is clearly distress and what has clearly been a very rough 2020. In many cases, that interest has not translated into actual deals being consummated as the bid ask spread between buyer and seller is just stayed too wide, right? And we're not seeing both sides of that transaction come together on a rational answer and with respect to what the forecast looks like. Now that we are at the bottom or we would say probably post-bottom looking up at the recovery, I think a lot of these deals are going to start happening. I think people are going to come to grips with what the new reality is in terms of the forecast and start consummating some of these deals. And I think you're right. New capital is going to win versus old. The new capital is going to come in and take advantage of a much better business case, much lower valuations. Where do you think some of the interesting plays might be for a PE investor specifically looking at some distressed assets? Is it roll-up? Is it combined? Combine a couple of companies together with complementary or adjacent capabilities or all of the above? Yeah, I think it's all of the above. I think opportunities exist in many particular spaces. And I know you and I, we both have a favorite, which is called that used serviceable material market. I'll take that one as an example in the short term, which is because of overhang that I just mentioned and the fact that there's not a lot flying out there, airlines have parked or stored aircraft in unprecedented numbers. Pre-COVID, there was no spare planes available at all. And the idea of tearing down airplanes to generate materials, cheaper materials, it was pretty tough to do. It was, now you've got a huge feedstock of aircraft. The problem is nobody's flying to use the parts. However, that flying is going to come back and those planes will be torn down. The real issue is the USM companies need that capital injection, need the money in order to be able to buy those assets because for sure, the demand for the used service material is going to, forgive the pun, unfortunately, but it will take off because the airlines are going to be laser focused on lower cost materials. And so we actually see quite a lot of interest in the private equity community in the USM market because being able to deploy it to help those USM providers be agile, buy the assets and effectively buy well, sell well. That's a good example. Yes, let me come in with a French perspective, if I may. I think the question about the private equity investing into the aerospace market, and especially the supply chain, is a very interesting one. But the bottom line question is why? What is their actual intent? And we can see many of them. I think that, of course, there is this pure financial appetite of buying low and eventually saying higher when the recovery has come. But I believe some of them are also here to play a consolidation role. And I'm here thinking about the private public fund ACE in France, which is a result of French state investment and the big French OEMs that are Thales, Airbus, Dassault and Safran. They put together nearly 1 billion euro to actually play a very active role in the French supply chain consolidation because there is a need for consolidation and this is the right time to perform some tough choices 
and tough transformations in the industry. So I would say that the P are also here to play a role in that particular new balance of the industry and that are here also to enable some champion strategy coming directly from the big aircraft manufacturers or the tier one to the service of the overall supply chain. And I agree, Jerome, there's multiple parts of the aerospace supply chain that are way too fragmented. And to Ken's point, there's too many of them that were too specialized. So if you think about where is there a huge amount of fragmentation around the tier two, tier three manufacturers of components, the build to print suppliers, there's there's a plethora of people in that space which are just subscale and may not have the ability to survive through the COVID. The maintenance market, it's massively fragmented in airframe heavy maintenance. And for sure, there's going to be consolidation opportunities there. So there's areas of fragmentation where the PE firms should really be thinking about the roll-up of the taking on the real winning platforms there. I couldn't agree more. And, and I think it's critical for aerospace and defense companies to view this as an opportunity to build winning business models for the next chapter. This is not about just surviving. It's about thriving in the new normal. I hope that we've given some advice and some insight today to our listeners about what that means in terms of market and portfolio. Thank you, listeners at home. If you have any questions around what we've discussed today, please write into us at Oliver Wyman on Twitter and LinkedIn. And stay tuned because we'll be doing another podcast on operating model in the very near future. 